these are the Money Minutes. Today we investigate the AMP, another scandal, another round of boardroom changes. What prompted it and what happens now? My thanks for your company for another week and look, it's barely two years ago that I was reporting on the scandals of the AMP, Australia's oldest financial institution and once one of our biggest. It's now lost its chairman, David Murray, over a scandal that I think at least was thoroughly avoidable. Now Murray, to explain, is the former chief executive of the Commonwealth Bank and the former chairman of the Future Fund. He was also the chair of Australia's financial system inquiry. So in short, in the past 20 years, David Murray has been one of the most powerful people in this country. Also gone, one of AMP's most senior directors, the former Treasury Secretary of Australia, John Fraser, who was previously the chairman and CEO of UBS Global Management. Now also gone, a couple of weeks earlier, the chief executive of AMP's Australian operations, Alex Wade, and the man at the centre of the current scandal, Bo Bahari, has been demoted back to his previous role. Now, David Murray's been chairman of the AMP for, well, a little over two years, I guess. He was appointed to bring stability to the strife-torn financial services giant as its board imploded in the wake of damning evidence in the Financial Services Royal Commission that ultimately saw the chair, Catherine Brenner, and the chief executive, Craig Mellor, resign. Other directors, Vanessa Wallace... Holly Kramer and Patty Agapiance also stood down at the time as it became clear the AMP board had been thoroughly split and had presided over a culture where fees were charged when no service was given and dead customers, of course, as the worst examples, continued to be charged long long after they'd passed away. But Murray's appointment, rather than create the much-needed stability to get through the financial penalties, which ultimately could be in the hundreds of millions of dollars, plus deep-seated criticism in the wake of that Royal Commission, has ultimately torn apart an institution founded as the Australian Mutual Providence Society in 1849, so 171 years ago. It seems now the future of the AMP, well, there is a business there, but just who is going to preside over it and make it confident again becomes an important issue. But the current situation happened over the promotion of one man, that man Bo Bahari I mentioned. Bahari was a senior AMP manager looking after international infrastructure investments. In 2017, a complaint was made against him while in London by a female colleague who was a senior private equity specialist. That complaint was investigated by a British QC, Andrew Burns, and was brought to the attention of the AMP board, and that's important. One thing to note, David Murray was not on the board of AMP at the time. After that investigation, Bahari is said to have made an apology which is, well, sort of disputed by the female complainant, apparently, and also a financial penalty that's said to have been around a half a million dollars. Now, just a little while ago, Pahari had said, I generally regret that my comments made a colleague feel uncomfortable. It was never my intention, but I accept that they had an impact and I apologised and accepted the consequences. I have learned from the matter and have applied these learnings in trying to ensure that our employees feel safe and valued at work. I am embarrassed by the matter as I believe in building diverse teams and respecting all individuals I work with, both within and outside our business. Now, I should explain that the female who complained about Bahari is clearly still upset about that investigation and also the penalties. She left the AMP, which is certainly not the reward that Bo Bahari was set to enjoy. The mistake of the current AMP board was, with all this knowledge, they still appointed Bahari to the position of 
Chief Executive of AMP Capital Investors, the AMP's biggest and most successful arm. It's prompted another deep scandal inside the company and another implosion, as we've seen, of the board and the management. Because what's clear is there were tin ears at AMP to its most senior levels. The promotion of Pahari was ill-advised and clearly ill-thought-out. Those sympathetic to Pahari would argue, well, that he apologised, incurred a financial penalty, and there was nothing criminal in the complaint, so he should be able to get on with his life. But what's clear is that the AMP board management thought that they could guts this out. Now, this little extract I'll play for you is from the investor call for the AMP chief executive Francesco de Ferrari just 13 days ago as they announced their annual profits. He deliberately, at that time, included Bo Pahari as a key part of the team. Have a listen. Thank you. This gives me the opportunity to effectively have Bo speak. So... Bo, why don't Thank I you. let you illustrate some of the exciting opportunities we have ahead? Thank you, Francesco, and thank you for the question. <clears throat> um, you're right. Is it a level playing field? It's a level playing field if you are a top 10 player or a top 20 player. So let me give you um, some stats around that. So around 55% or as much as 60% of the fundraising that happens on an annual basis in the, in the infrastructure and real assets area go to the top 10 players. So that's Bo Pahari talking at the results, what, two weeks ago. Uh, now, the level playing field he's talking about there, I should make quite clear, is not about the level playing field of men and women inside the workplace. So it could have been. Uh, in fact, what he's talking about with the level playing field is that uh, those with most of the money get most of the big infrastructure projects. But my point here is that as little as 10 days ago, Bo Pahari was still a key part of the AMP's plans. But here's the truth. In today's society where men and women equally fit into a workplace, there's no room for a leader who does not or cannot create trust because of their previous behaviour. And that's what this is all about. Because though we might like to imagine that people apologise, move on and change, it simply isn't the case in building a modern workplace. Trust is built. Transgressions can destroy that trust with little hope of it being rebuilt ever. Now, I digress from AMP just for a little moment because one other thing here also needs to be spelt out. It shouldn't have to be spelt out, I'd say, but here goes. Criticism of, say, a female chief executive, a politician or media commentator is only sexism if it's disproportionate or identifies the gender of that person. Because too often, simple criticism of a person doing poorly in a role or who makes boneheaded comments or just gets something plain wrong is construed incorrectly as sexism. The very best CEOs, male or female, it doesn't matter, recognise that part of their role is to be vigorously questioned about strategy and policy. But vigorous questioning alone should never be construed as sexism because it's not. It's vigorous questioning. You know, just because somebody's upset about the tone of that questioning doesn't mean it's sexism. Back to AMP. Public company directors, as if they need to be told, today answer to industry superannuation funds that march to a thoroughly different beat to the old school boys clubs of years gone by. So boards, directors and CEOs need to change their way of thinking to recognise industry superannuation fund boards and executives have for a long time been far more driven towards equal opportunity for women than other traditional funds management or insurance businesses. Now, I will say to you right here, I'm still very surprised when I attend funds management events, and I do on a regular basis, 
and I see predominantly male faces staring back at me while I'm making a presentation. And I've got to say that that audience gets pretty upset when I point this out to them. In the industry superannuation space, and again, I go and make presentations there, it is a thoroughly different thing. And I've got to say this goes back partly to the force of nature that is the late Mavis Robertson. She died about five years ago, an absolute legend in superannuation circles, a unionist, an agitator, a person who strove to wipe out injustice, and a former director and chair of the giant CBUS superannuation fund. Now, together with another super legend called Fiona Reynolds, they created the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees. In fact, I spent a year on the board with them. Reynolds was the chief executive for years, and with another powerhouse inside this new superannuation movement called Louise Davidson, Mavis created Women in Super, and then the famous Mother's Day Classic. This is the annual walk around Australia held on Mother's Day to raise awareness for victims of breast cancer. And as I say, sadly, Mavis passed away about five years ago, but her energy and inspiration goes on today inside industry superannuation funds, although some in corporate Australia still fail to recognise or understand it. Now, Louise Davidson is an interesting aspect of all this. She was the investment director of CBUS, which together today, along with Australian Super, REST, Unisuper and Host Plus, have replaced the scale and influence of the once-upon-a-time insurance giants, which were the AMP, National Mutual, Colonial Mutual and MLC. Now, those five super funds, CBUS, Australian Super, REST, Unisuper and Host Plus, have around $411 billion of funds in them, twice that of the AMP. Now, today... Louise Davidson is the Chief Executive of the Australian Council of Superannuation Investors. Now, its role, among other things, is to give advice to these giant superannuation funds, the industry funds, about how they should vote when it comes to directors on boards of companies and policies. And that includes, importantly here, AMP, because part of the reason for these changes was agitation from external shareholders. And you can only imagine the view of Louise Davidson or the many other senior women working inside industry super funds, managing investments, running administration systems, how they would view the behaviour inside AMP and the pressure they would have brought to bear to make these significant changes. Now, another person who gives similar advice to superannuation funds, the advice to the boards, is Vas Kolesnikov, the head of Australia and New Zealand Research for ISS, Institutional Shareholder Services. I've known Vas for a long time, and he's good enough with his time. He joins me now. Hello, Ross. Good to be with you. Okay, I, I want to go to a really broad thing here, and that is that companies today have got to be so thoroughly and utterly cognizant when they're making any appointment of the track record of an executive, because And let's be really honest here. This is the whole thing now that has really brought about, again, another upheaval at the AMP. And really, we're only talking two and a half years ago as the Royal Commission started to hear evidence from the AMP that we had another upheaval of that board. That's right, Ross. And I think boards are increasingly becoming aware of the importance of culture, governance, all these, as they call it nowadays, non-financial risks on a business. And management sets the course. The board oversees management. So the the individuals entrusted with the culture and direction of, of a business really are so fundamental to whether a company, you know, succeeds in this model world or, or just drifts away and will be taken over by somebody eventually. 
Okay, so the superannuation funds that you give advice to on how they vote at annual meetings, but of course a lot of it does go on behind the scenes in terms of the the pressure that is put on companies that are owned by these superannuation investors. But when it comes down to it, there is little doubt in my mind that they are far more sensitive today to issues of sexual harassment claims, of equality in the workplace. And and largely this is because now the superannuation industry is dominated by industry superannuation funds that have really been bought up with a, a, a more equal opportunity than many of our traditional funds management businesses have. That's right. That's one of the aspects. But this is a global thing as well, Ross. There are, you have all the superannuation funds now that they are so big and globally investors are so big. They have so much information and data in front of them. And, and that's one of the reasons they, they, they receive research from us as well. They put all this into the melting pot. And one thing they can see is that these issues of culture and, um, you know, which executives you have um, are so important and, and, you know, the types of people that you have running the business. And, you know, all these things at the end of the day, are, you know, you know are, are fundamental to the sustainability of the business, whether customers are attracted or, 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 or put away, whether people want to go and work for the business. You, you also want to attract the best people. And, and therefore, the people running the businesses have to be, you know, uh, at, at a point where other people want to work for them as well. So these are, these are all the things that shareholders are looking at. Okay, because one of the issues is that shareholders are now far more active than they've ever been. In the past, the shareholders would literally roll along with the board and roll along with the executives. But there's little doubt that organisations such as yours have really awoken uh, those institutional shareholders, the big superannuation funds, and, and made them conscious at least that they have a stewardship over the results of, of the businesses that they have the shares in. And, and they're not underrepresented. They're now, if you like, active participants in the policies and the way in which companies operate. Well, that's right, Ross, and we're all beneficiaries of that. The the investors, the superannuation funds, are really safeguarding the average Australians, the you know, future, their retirement savings. So the long-term um, strategy and direction of a company is is something that these investors are looking at. And over the long term, the investors are saying, well, it's, it's more than just one year's profit or profit over two years or what have you. It's, you know, it's the environment. What happens? How are we addressing all of these issues? The, the social issues, which is, yes, the, you know, the staff, the, the, you know, the customers, all of us around the company, the social license of operating, the environmental issues. Is a company going to be sustainable in, in five, 10, 15, 20 years time with the, you know, the way dealing with environment? So they, these are all the things that investors are looking at, and these are all the things that investors come to us um, for, for data and information. Okay, so the, the role of the director of a superannuation fund, first and foremost, is to safeguard and to enhance the, uh, the financial well-being of, of the members. So that's number one and first and foremost. But really, in some ways, the role of that board member has now morphed into the behaviour of public companies. So, you know, let's say, for example, in the old days of a company made money and it was solid, it was reliable, all those things, many of the other policies around that company might have been sort of, if you like, ignored or just simply overlooked. Today, however, it's not enough simply to make money. The organisation has got to be seen to be doing it in the right way, the ethical way, the, the equal opportunity way, as it were. Well, I always say there's two things that our investors are interested in. 
they're interested in that companies make money. That, that's important. That's our savings, all that. And secondly, they're interested in the fact that they're making it the right way. So, yes, they're looking at the management. They're looking at the boards, the, the investors are looking at the boards of these public listed companies to make sure that all the, the work that's been put in from the top, the culture, etc., and, and the strategies are aligned with what investors um, are, are seeing, that they, how they want the companies to be managed. And so when you get a scandal, as the AMP has been through over the past few weeks, um, into, in, in regards to Bopahari, who whose promotion to chief executive of the AMP capital, the most lucrative part of AMP, is really the contentious issue that really is at the heart of all of this. As soon as it sim- simply moved along and rumbled as vigorously as it did, um, was it inevitable that really there had to be changes at the board level, and in particular with the chairman, David Murray, who's resigned um, after being barely two years in that job? Well, look, you know, AMP has had a number of issues, as you alluded to earlier, over the years. And I think, look, the, the Bopahari issue was unfortunate. It didn't have to happen that way. Um, but look, let's face it, the current age now, the, the companies are so large, they're so, um, you know, so multifaceted. We, investors are looking for, um, you know, the, the boards to really be accountable for their decisions. Ultimately, they have to sign off on all of these things. And who, who ultimately, ultimately makes the, the first decision? It's the, it's the management. So the CEO, okay, you've hired Bob Bahari as the CEO. What are the issues there? So is this where, you know, the culture of the company is? So there are obviously a lot of issues we don't understand there, and it's all coming to the fore. But it, it, I suspect that the board of AMP and perhaps even the CEO really misunderstood the climate that we're really looking at at the moment and living in at the moment. It, it is about culture and conduct because culture and conduct ultimately does affect, you know, the people you attract, the customers you attract, the revenues, the costs, all these things. There are these underlying issues, and culture and conduct is something that the boards and board of AMP needs to be accountable for. Okay, you know, Mr. Fraser and, and, and David Murray um, uh, resigned. I think the whole board needs to be looked at to see what role they played. How could they have just mis- misjudged this climate so, you know, so easily? And the one thing there is you're right. It is about the look of it because it's not sufficient to have had a half a million dollar penalty, as I've explained, and indeed to have apologised in the past. It really is about whether that person is the right person in today's environment to take that leadership role, given the fact that the organisation will be trying to attract the brightest and best uh, female graduates coming out of universities and their parents giving advice as to whether that person should go and work for, for that particular business. Well, e- exactly right. And from what we see in the media, Ross, and you know better than I do about this, but the young lady involved in that case when, you know, really, I think she's, when she saw insufficient action happening there from the AMP uh, side, from the investigation side, what did she do? She, she resigned her position. Now, that's one individual Culture and conduct from the most senior people, if, that's, if, if that is not held to a, the higher standard, the bigger the company, the higher the standard, um, you know, if that's not held to the higher standard, 
you're really going to be losing people. And then once again, once you lose people, you're going to be losing customers, the, the image, the reputation, all of these things take a pounding. And, and, that's, and, and who are the ultimate victims of all of this? Yes, you've got the, the various staff and employees, but look, the ultimate victims are the underlying saver whose, whose funds are being managed by the, the, the investors, the institutional investors, because y- y- your shareholder value is lost from, from things that are really out of your control. I've got to tell you, always great to have a chat to you. Vas Kolesnikov is the Head of Australia and New Zealand Research for ISS, Institutional Shareholder Services, that gives advice to companies and superannuation funds as to how they should vote when it comes to issues of boards being replaced or indeed the behaviour of those boards. And Vas, as always, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Ross. Good to be with you. Showing you the vagaries of the stock market, the AMP share price actually jumped 1% after all those scandals today. But the price, around $1.44, is a far cry from its glory days in 2007 when they were well above $10 a share. So that's it for this episode. Great to have your company. I'm Ross Greenwood, and these are the Money Minutes.